millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Hello, we're back. It's Ugh. another Friday, the last Friday of February in 2021. Yes. So if you guys are anti-February people, don't worry, it's almost you're in over. Luck. If you're into March, you're going to get, if you don't like March, I'm sorry, but it's coming. Yeah, the Ides are coming. It is happening. So today, it is the 101, it is 101, the 101st episode Ever, ever, ever. So what are we gonna do? It's we're gonna do uh, conspiracy theories one hundred and one. Well, it's in a sort way, of, sort of. In a way, we today we will be discussing the Montauk Project, which, if uh, you are you know one of the arguably hundred million people out there that have ever seen the show Stranger Things, if you're part of the phenomenon. You might have a little bit more knowledge about this than you think because fun fact the original title for stranger things was montauk uh they obviously did not go with that as the title as you can tell by the name of the show there you go but it was extremely inspired by the events that occurred at this decommissioned military base in new york and we'll get into that but we believe that in order to fully grasp some of the things that we're going to talk about a little bit later, we have to rewind the clock back to 1943. Yeah. All the way, World War II is still going on, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we're so right in the midst of it. Both we fronts. got shit going on. And uh, th- th- there's a little something we're going to start you off with called the Philadelphia Experiment. Philadelphia Experiment. Also Jake, known. Why don't you take us to that journey? I will. I will. It's also known as Project Rainbow. Rainbow. By the way, Rainbow. Apparently that was code word for the uh, the axes of power at the time in the world. Rainbow? I don't know. I guess that's what it meant. But Project Rainbow, the Philadelphia experiment. It was a rumored technological experiment uh, carried out by the U.S. Navy on October 28th of 1943, attempting to render a Navy destroyer ship completely invisible. Excellent. Not only on radar, but also to the naked eye. Ooh. Can you believe it? Invisible ships. It, I mean, I guess in theory that would make sense. Uh, it'd be useful. It definitely would, especially now. Yeah, given the U.S. was in the middle of World War II on both fronts. It would have definitely given us an edge. Not that we needed it, but we would have had it anyway. I'll do those U-boats for taking us out left and right. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we're fighting on two fronts. We need something like this. So, uh, the experiment was actually said to have been the uh, the, the brainchild, right, of uh, Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, and a guy named uh, Dr. Von Neumann. Dr. John Von Neumann. All right? Uh, a man named Dr. Frank Reno actually attempted to figure out a uh, military use for Einstein's unified field theory. Do you know what that is? Mm, couldn't tell you. I don't know shit about science. Me either. Me either. But I know what it's about. The unified field theory, uh, it's all like, so basically like all fundamental uh, forces in nature, like gravitational, nuclear, electromagnetic, uh, 
etc. Uh, they can all be unified into one encompassing theory. Okay. Theoretically, that's like what that was Einstein's whole deal. That sounds. That seems plausible, I guess. Yeah. Well, right. it's everything's interconnected. So it's, it's all connected somehow. You just got to find the links. Anyway, Einstein himself attempted to merge electromagnetism um, with his own theory of relativity. E equals mc squared, you know. Oh, yeah. The uh, the equation. But uh, the Philadelphia experiment attempted to expand that by uh, manipulating gravitational force using electromagnetism to bend light and thus rendering uh, objects completely invisible. So he's like, you got to use all the forces. In order to make this happen. Okay, okay. Okay? All right. So this theory, if possible, was uh, relatively straightforward for, like, solid, inanimate, you know, inorganic materials. But when you come to organic materials, like, i.e., fucking humans, uh, it gets a bit dicey, right? You, know, you don't want to just go ahead and throw people in on these experiments. So what do they do first? They test it on uh, farm animals. Involving this Tesla coil, Einstein theory, a bunch of insanely intelligent scientists. They're all involved in their testing on farm animals. It wasn't specified, like, what farm animal was used, but it's very speculated that it was pigs. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, probably like, pigs or sheep, perhaps. Yeah. There's just an abundance of both of those animals. It's true, and pigs are extremely close to us, like, biologically. You know, the flesh of a pig is... The that closest to the flesh of a human. All right. My fucking chair's falling apart. All right. All right. So, yeah, it speculated that they were pigs. Uh, so, the first attempt was a success, okay? To make this ship invisible, they just loaded it up with some pigs. Uh, the, the ship specifically was called, what was the name of the ship? Grant, I know you know this. The USS Eldridge. The Eldridge. So they loaded up the Eldridge, a bunch of pigs. Uh, it was kind of a success. The craft, along with the pigs, successfully disappeared and came back, right? Pretty successful. However, uh, it was discovered that some of the pigs had radioactive burns, and others simply disappeared completely. Those are called owies. Yes. The hogs are gone. They're fucking never coming back. And other ones are burned. But, uh, so hubris prevails with the U.S. Navy, however, because uh, after seeing that, they decided to just go ahead and put a crew of humans on there for the next test, even though the pigs disappeared and were burned. So the second test, uh, yeah, the first test with humans, which was the second test overall, uh, it was semi-successful, because the men on board suffered severe nausea, and were otherwise fine. But the ship, however, did not completely disappear. It instead was, like, surrounded by this huge, thick green fog. But it didn't, like, disappear, right? Okay, okay. Just so, an ooze, a nice ooze, a, a nice mist. nice ooze for your, for your ship, for your shipmate. But, uh, so, given that no one was permanently hurt during this first experiment, uh, the equipment was recalibrated and tested again a few months thereafter. Okay, okay. And so the second test. This is where it gets all sorts of fucked up. So the ship immediately disappears the second time they try it in a flash of blue light, and it reappears over 400 miles away at a naval base in Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. So I'm not exactly sure what they did to this equipment in like the time between these two experiments, but in search of invisibility, it seems our government has discovered uh, teleportation. Yeah, that was an unfortunate byproduct of what they were trying to do. Unfortunate. At least it's yes. claimed to be a byproduct. It's claimed to be, yeah. Uh, apparently, crew members, uh, they, they later claimed that there was a sort of like a pulsing feeling surrounding them as this was all happening. It was like permeating the ship. They all felt hilarious. They They felt drunk, I guess. They had a drunk feeling. A lot of them were laughing. Uh, it's also said that parts of the ship began to partially dematerialize. Sort of weird. And the men could, like, pass their hands and bodies through the solid, like, what was once solid material. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty crazy. But after uh, floating outside of Norfolk for a few minutes, the Eldridge returned to the exact spot that it had left in Philadelphia. 
But this insane scientific breakthrough came with a cost. Okay? Nothing's free. Nothing is ever free. Nothing is ever free. That is the reality we live in. It's true. And that we Everything travel costs to something. through wormholes. There it's you go. the same reality. High toll for the wormholes. Uh, so all the crew members were subject to devastating side effects. Okay? Uh, some became violently ill. Some developed schizophrenia. Some, like the pigs before them, simply just disappeared, never to be seen again. And five particularly unlucky crew members were uh, the, the ones that were messing around with the dematerialized portions of the ship, you know. Uh, when they got back to Philly, they were fused to the ship. So they were, they were just a part of the ship now, screaming their heads off, just like what? Like there was a guy whose one half of his body was in one room, other half was on the outside of the ship. He was just screaming. They all died. Yeah, that sounds about right. Not all the men, but these five particularly. Yeah, there were horrible, horrible side effects of this potential time travel wormhole. Whatever you want to call it. I it's don't not even... an exact science yet. This is just dipping our toes in. Yeah. This is just how dangerous it is. And that was just the immediate side effects. So, like, some surviving crew members went on to experience things that border on, like, the paranormal. Okay? So, one man was having dinner with his family. What do you think he did? He stood up. Walked through a wall. No one ever saw him again. He walked through a wall. Okay. And just never was seen again. Uh, there was another man in the middle of a bar fight. He's just like, he's gone. And there's actually like articles in a Philadelphia uh, newspaper that fucking, that's what it says. There's like, this guy just disappeared. Interesting, interesting. The owners of the bar were like, what the fuck? But uh, there were also two other guys that were just like, they're gone. Uh, other men would disappear and later come back. Right? So they claim, some of these guys claim to have seen aliens in their time that they were gone. Some experienced simply a state of nothingness. Uh, it was fucking crazy. So there were also cases of men being frozen in place. Right? Uh, where they could not speak or move. Sometimes while invisible. It's terrifying. But they were still conscious. So they, they were aware of everything that was going on around them. They were just, like, stuck. No one could see them. No one could do anything. They couldn't move. They couldn't talk. This, among the men, became known as going through the push. All right. So that's kind of nice. That's a, they got a cool little name for it. Going through the push. It's like uh, when you take a big dump. You're going, you're going through the push. I was just trying to do that in your bathroom. You're going... Didn't work. It's still in there. You can't go through the push yet. You're not ready. I'm not nearly lubed up enough. You weren't born ready for this. I know. I need to drink, like, tea or something. But, uh, all right, so what do we, what do we got here? Uh, yeah, going through the push. Uh, these immobile and invisible states could last anywhere from a few minutes to a few hours. Uh, supposedly, the only way to pull a man out of uh, the push, right, was for other men to be aware of it and place their hands upon him, giving him strength to then reappear. That was apparently the method that they just figured out by happenstance. Hmm. You know, they see a guy just starting to dematerialize. They're just like, hey, hey, hey. And they all put their hands on his chest or something. Okay, okay. So that was a way that they figured out. Uh, that it would, like, fix this. You temporarily, if anything, right? But uh, it didn't always pan out. Okay, so one man was in the process of dematerializing. So some fellow shipmates, they ran over, they laid their hands on him. And it worked. They stopped the man from going through the push. But then he immediately caught fire and was unable to be extinguished for 18 days. He probably didn't survive. I don't think he, I don't think he did. He I may hope have died not. immediately. I would only hope that he died immediately. It'd be funny if he survived that horrible situation. Like, do you and think he's it? just walking around. He's like, don't mind it. Just don't get too close. <laughs> like, how many did... Do you think they finally extinguished him by, like, trying to, or they just let him burn out? Honestly, they probably because, gave like, up after the first, like, six hours. Yeah, like, but then it's like, how many days can you wake up in the morning like, oh, Johnson's still smoldering out there? I mean, like, it's like, we tried, man. What, what more do you it's want? It's keeping me up at night. There's a glare in my window. It's crazy. So this guy, yeah, he burned for 18 days. Needless to say, uh, they, this stopped the men from from doing that. Um 
So, uh, yeah, uh, they, they stopped doing it after the guy went, went poof in the flame. And um, a lot of them went through the push and just stayed there for days, weeks, sometimes over a month. They would be caught in this state, and they would call this the deep freeze. They were caught in the push. They were stuck in the green. These are all things they would say about it. All Interesting. Right. So these are just some side effects of this crazy fucking experiment to try to make a ship invisible because we're trying to fight a world war, right? So those uh, those are the crew members who developed schizophrenia uh, during all this were committed to asylums and their families were told that they're MIA. Uh, but those of the crew who simply became violently ill were supposedly brainwashed into forgetting the whole ordeal. And thus the Philadelphia experiment was covered up and discontinued. Hey, Mitch shows up. Mitch shows up there right at the is. end right of in the, the Philadelphia experiment because we're about to get into the real stuff. So you might be asking yourself, what the fuck does the Philadelphia experiment have to do yeah, with the Yeah, why do Montauk I need to know project? about this? This is what you're asking. The thing is, you really don't. But I feel and Jake feels that it adds an important background into what some of the things we're going to talk about today with this particular situation are it's a dip of the toe it's a nice framing so we are going to go to new york montauk is in long island new york it is a nice little patch of land you know there's a uh, state park there it's very beautiful beautiful state parks um about a mile into the woods on montauk there is a decommissioned military base that sits inside of said state park it is still guarded to this day, even though it is decommissioned and there is no operations currently happening there. The original reason it was built was it was the house of one of 12 extremely unique radar systems that helped us take down German U-boats. There we go. Yeah. So, a little bit of comes. connectivity there. That was its original intention. There you go. If you look at the history of the land itself, It is believed uh, that what is now called the Montauk Tribe lived on this land of which they called Turtle Cove. Uh, Turtle Cove is now known as Camp Hero, uh, and this is it's on it's in Montauk. It's just part of the part of the little island there. Turtle Cove was a way better name. And why did these tribes people live there? Well, they claim that they were put there by their ancestors. Because they were to guard the sacred land, as Montauk was a location where energy from other worlds could seep into our world. And their tribe's job was to live on the land and protect the rest of civilization from said energy. We'll get back to that, too. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Just the otherworldly energy. So, in 1981, the base was officially closed down by the government... And by 1984, the land was reverted back to the state, thus giving us the beautiful state park we mentioned. Now we're going to get into the man himself who is responsible for every story that I'm going to tell you today. And that man is Preston Nichols. Preston Nichols. He was an electromagnetic engineer, which uh, I really didn't know was a job title, and it's quite extensive. You get a degree in anything. Uh, his, in poetry. his book on. is where these stories come from, and that is called The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. So here is a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm kind of giving you the, the rundown here. There's a lot to this. So in 1984, Preston Nichols is walking around Montauk, okay? He stumbles upon this thing in the woods. He doesn't really know what it is. It's a building of sorts. Whatever. He ends up talking to a man that he presumes to be homeless who is walking around the land with him, and they're just chit-chatting back and forth, you know. And this homeless man looks at Mr. Nichols, and he says, you know, I know you. We worked in this building together. And Preston Nichols is like, what are you talking about? He's like classic homeless person. And it... It, it, he do, he just can't quite figure it out, right? So yeah. he's kind of in a bit of a panic. He doesn't understand what's going on. Then we move into another character named Duncan Cameron. 
Duncan Cameron was a psychic who was believed to work with Nichols. Uh, he knew nothing about the building, but at a certain point in time where he and Preston Nichols went into the building, he remembered everything. Now, I'm going to come back to Preston Nichols. I'm going to give you a little bit of background on this Preston or Duncan Cameron fella. So, Duncan Cameron uh, has given many different interviews, I guess you could say, and in this book, he claims that he was working for a defense contractor on Long Island going under the pseudonym of BJM. Now, with a little bit of light research, people have been able to figure out that it is more than likely that he was working for the Airborne Instruments Laboratory, also known as AIL, as that is based in Long Island, and it fits the description. Fun little fact. Think about it. AIL, okay? If you move one letter to the right of each of those letters, what do you get? You get BJM, the pseudonym that he gives for his place of work. So this is another reason why people believe he's connected to the Airborne Instruments Laboratory. Synchronicity. Back to Preston Nichols. Preston Nichols claims that he was being given a tour of the building by Cameron. Okay? Uh, other yeah. employees that were there, uh, they were walking around. Preston Nichols knew none of them, but they acted as if they knew him. They were very friendly, chit-chatting with him, having a good time. Uh, while on this tour, uh, Preston Nichols discovered a building that was extremely uh, secured, guards everywhere, armed guards, locked doors, very intense security. For some reason, he decides he's going to go and check it out. So he goes up there. He's got the bright idea. He's like, I know I have no credentials, but I'm just going to walk in the front door and see what happens. Yeah, you got to try. So he walks in. And they just let him do it. They they give him new credentials. They're like, welcome back. Come on in. <laughs> it worked. Uh, so he is completely, I shouldn't say completely. He's unaware of where he is, but he describes it that he let his gut tell him where he needed to go. So he made his way through this labyrinth of hallways and rooms, and he finally made it into a big room with a security door. And what struck him is when he turns around to look at the desk, the nameplate on the desk is none other than Preston Nichols. His own name. He's got an office. Um, this is where he began remembering his repressed memories, and he came to the realization that he was living in two separate realities. He was living in a reality where he was the man that explored the woods and ran into a homeless man. And then in the other reality, he was an electromagnetic engineer at BJM, and he worked for the Montauk Project. Boom. Try to take that one in. Multiple realities. By the year 1990, every memory, or at least what he claims is everything he can remember, had come back to him. And this is where the Philadelphia experiment comes into play. Because he remembers that he was a part of the Philadelphia Experiment in 1943. Oh. As you might have known, Jake mentioned a man by the name of Dr. Van Neumann. Dr. Van Neumann died in 1957. However, Preston Nichols claims that this was all a fraudulent case, and he actually survived, and he was working at the Montauk base, helping them go back in time to 1943. Why, you may ask. Well, I got a little story for you. <laughs> Two people that were working on the USS Eldridge claim that just moments before the ship disappeared and jumped forward into time, a wormhole-like thing opened up in the water beneath them. These two individuals jumped into the hole, and that brought them to Montauk in the year 1983. Now, you may be asking yourself, how the hell does that work? Well, it just so happens that Duncan Cameron, the, psycho or the, the psychic, he was one of the men that jumped through the wormhole. Good God. Yeah. 
Yeah, try to keep up here. I know this is kind of crazy. It's so many stories within stories. Duncan Cameron remembers jumping through the wormhole in 1943 and ending up about 40 years in the future in a different part of the country. And he says a byproduct of jumping through this wormhole was that now his mind was completely able to be controlled by any means necessary. In other words, he was saying he was extremely susceptible to mind control. Okay? He's a docile little little guy now. So they begin studying this. It starts as pretty much, it seems like it starts as a weird neurological study because what they would do is Preston Nichols would hook uh, Duncan Cameron up to what they called the Montauk chair. And this was a chair with uh, pods surrounding it with a bunch of different wires and stuff in it. Uh, When he was in here, they would electrocute him. They would send magnetic impulses and electromagnetic impulses into Duncan Cameron. And they found that they could manipulate his emotions. He, they could make him sad with the right impulse. They could make him happy with the right impulse. Blah, 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 blah. They believed that this Duncan Cameron was extremely susceptible to these things. So they were using him. Now this is where it gets even crazier. Because <laughs> during these studies, they realized that if they hooked Duncan Cameron up to a computer, he could sit in the Montauk chair with his brain connected with wires and he could manifest objects onto the screen of the computer. So it started simple. They would have him think of an apple, and an image of an apple would appear on the monitor. Then they did it with baseballs. They did just a bunch of different objects, just things to see if it would work. They're just like, marvelous, marvelous. And it worked. It it really worked. Um, And the one thing I want to throw out here is this might all sound crazy, right? Well, the United States government has a history of studying telepathy, and this is further backed up by Project Stargate, where they were doing similar tests to these, trying to read minds of people. The the main objective was to see if they could read the mind of their military enemies, and that way predict what was to come. Yeah. That's just a little side note, just in case you think this is, like, (laughs) way too crazy that they'd never do it. They did things sort of like this. Once they figured out that this transmitter worked, they took it up a notch, okay? Cameron could manifest objects into reality. Uh, Preston Nichols, he decided to call them thought forms because they were not necessarily real, But they were solid objects nonetheless. Whatever he envisioned would physically manifest either in a holographic form or sometimes in a solid form that could be touched and moved and manipulated. Jesus. Um, So once they started doing this, they kept testing it, testing it. They found that if they made Duncan Cameron focus on a specific geographical location and a specific time throughout history... That with his mind, he could open up a vortex that would allow time travel. So they had him strapped to the Montauk chair, and they could just say, here's the deal, October 28th, 1943, think about it. And the harder he thought about it, eventually it would open up. He openly admits, Preston Nichols admits, that it looked just like uh, what you'd see in a sci-fi film, where it's the swirling <laughs> lights, it's a vortex that it's opens like they up. they got it exactly right. And you could jump into the vortex and travel throughout time and space. Jesus. So. What kind of Catch-22 is that? It's like you, you, you need a time traveler to, in order to make a time machine? Yeah, that that's a good point. That's crazy. <laughs> that's insane. But the time machine made the time traveler. So this but. is, <laughs> this, the year was 1980. They finally, they figured out how to, at least in some way, shape, or form, Utilize time travel by using a team of psychics to create the energy field needed. So, this is where the Philadelphia experiment comes into play. What happened here is that they studied the schematics of what was used in the Philadelphia experiment. And what Preston Nichols found was that the generators on the ship 
were causing the issues. They were the things that were allowing the malfunction to continue. So their goal was to open up a vortex to get back on the USS Eldridge in 1943 and destroy the generators before they were ever turned on. That way, the experiment would never happen and it would never cause these horrific side effects and Preston Nichols essentially would be able to claim that he knows time travel and can make it work. So this was all a big power grab, right? In a way. If you discover time travel, you're going to do anything for that patent. Well, according to Preston Nichols, it worked. Him and Duncan Cameron landed on board the USS Eldridge and were able to damage the generators enough to where the horrifying side effects of the Philadelphia experiment were negated, and none of that ever came to pass in our reality. Do you think they traveled back like with implements to fuck it up? Like, yes, they, they, they did. They did, like mm-hmm. with a mace and shit, like a bat? I don't know what it was. He said they brought he brought tools from his office. <laughs> he brought a fly swatter. Um, okay, so now let me... This is, realistically, this is one of the last crazy claims I'm going to say. For at least for a little bit, they got back and Preston Nichols realized that what they were doing was not good. That essentially they were manipulating time and reality. They were playing God and he, he could not handle it anymore. Couldn't handle it. And direct quote from him is that he hooked, uh, what's his, I, I keep messing up the guy's name. Duncan Cameron. I want to call him Cameron Duncan, but that's not it. (laughs) Duncan. He hooked up Duncan Cameron to the Montauk chair, and he whispered in his ear, the time is now. And what happened next is straight out of Stranger Things. A 10-foot-tall, hairy monster manifested from the brain of Duncan Cameron. That monster went on to ravage Montauk military base, killing people, killing guards, killing civilians, absolutely terrorizing the interior of the building. Um, Preston Nichols used this time to wipe all the data, to delete all the files, to make sure everything was clear. And then when he unplugged the Montauk chair, the beast did not dissipate. So, And thus Bigfoot was born. Uh, Maybe. Well, not, no. What did he look like? Do you do we know what he looked like? They said he was about 10 feet tall, okay. covered in hair, gnarled teeth, and extremely skinny. That's really the only okay. description we get. So maybe he gained that, that American weight being in the wilderness. Yeah. Who knows? So what happened next is this monster is still running around the building killing people. This is when Preston Nichols had to go into the main building room of the building that contained all the fuse boxes and he cut the power to the entire building hoping that this would stop the rampage so he does the monster dissipates and this leads us to the end of what we know as the montauk project now this is one facet of the montauk project this is only preston nichols account of what he did while he was there so we're going to go into the Montauk Boys, okay, because this is another big part of the story, arguably the most realistic part of the story. Okay. So, Stuart Swerdlow is the individual that I will be taking stories from for this particular instance. Uh, Stuart was supposedly one of these Montauk Boys. In the 1970s, he would begin having feverish nightmares and horrible visions whenever he would try to go to bed. He would have dreams that he was tied up, gagged, tortured, and unable to speak or move. He believes that he was being tested on in the Montauk facility. Why, you ask? Because he claims that in one of the sub-basements of the building lays the acid house, as it was referred to by the other Montauk boys. And what they would do is they would force-feed them drugs and then electrocute them and torture them to try and control their mind. Classic. Um, In certain instances, it did not work. 
Uh, in other instances, it did work, as they claim Timothy McVeigh was one of the children in the Acid House experiments. Oklahoma City bombing. He was turned into what they were calling sleeper cells for the CIA. Uh, they also claim that Columbine and other national tragedies around the time are related to the testing at Montauk. Damn. There is no actual way to back this up. However, the schematics of the building do not show a basement, but there are, at least in the day that we we live in now with videos and YouTube and shit, there are people that have gone to the base and explored it uh, illegally, but they've gone. Yeah. And there are sub-basements that are not accounted for in the official blueprints of the building. So... Keep that in mind. It's just a little Very intriguing. strange, kind of kind of nefarious. Um, he also claims that Duncan Cameron was not able to manifest these things by himself. And what they would do is they would hook up the Montauk chair with Duncan Cameron in them, and then they would bring children in and hook them up to Duncan Cameron so he could drain their energy and electromagneticism and use oh that to project his energy. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, he compares them. Uh, he compares the children to battery packs. Okay. <laughs> it's it's kind of hilarious. Now, let me just say, I know how crazy all this sounds. This is just the claim of one man, but it is the man that. It's just your average Tuesday. It is the man that started the trend, the idea that Montauk maybe might be this, you know, nefarious little building. So, I want to get into a couple of the stranger conspiracies. Some of the stranger things about this case? Yeah, before stranger I... things? Before I will lay out what I believe this to be and why I believe this to be. So, number one, the Orion Delta antenna. It is believed that this was a type of antenna that was available at the Montauk Air Force Base. Uh, it was created using alien technology, and it could manipulate time and space. This allowed Duncan Cameron and Philip Nichols to teleport to Mars. <laughs> now... Why did they go there? I want, oh, you'll, I'll get all back right, to this. Right, Don't worry. Right. Let me say this. Um, I'm not quite sure of the year I want to say. It. it was between 2001 and 2006. I don't know if you'll remember this, but when the Mars... It wasn't the Mars rover, but we had something take pictures of the surface of Mars. Yeah. And there was the big stink because they believed that they saw a sphinx-like structure on Mars. I'm not going to say one way or the other. Now, NASA confirms that that is not true, that they're just rock formations. However... Take it as you will. That is just an interesting little tidbit. It is very interesting. This was far before we had those pictures of any of that knowledge of the surface. And the claims that he made were, in a, in a roundabout way, validated by some of the footage that we've seen of the planet. In no way is it confirmed. Just an interesting little it, thing. It's a, it's a very interesting thing to line up here. Okay. I have two more. Um, I'm going to... I'm actually going to go on. I'm going to continue with the alien one because the last one's going to blow your fucking mind. Okay, all right. Um, it, it is believed that gray aliens were in in the works at the Montauk base. Oh, yeah. And their repayment for allowing us this technology and this lesson that they would teach us was that whenever a child would die because of the experiments... Uh, they would the bodies would be given to the Greys and they would be consumed by the aliens. However, as Grey aliens do not eat food or have any digestive tract, this is nuts. They would okay. They would gut the children into a brine, like fish. What yeah. Philip Nichols called into a big brine. Uh, it was an orange-like liquid similar to jello and they would dump the innards and the corpse in this thing and then the gray aliens would climb inside of it and bathe in the massive tub full of guts and slime kind of intergalactic franklin cover-up shit is this 
Okay. Now, this is not the la- this is the last ridiculous conspiracy theory because the the next one I give is what I believe to be true. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Hold on to your hats, everyone, because this is where I don't I'm, think you're I'm ready. Preemptively taking it off. Nichols claims that a researcher on this project was given the task of being sent back in time in order to assassinate Jesus Christ. So, what Uh, happened, might you say? That checks out. They did it. Yeah. They traveled back in time. The unnamed individual was sent back in time to kill Jesus, and he teleported to the judgment of Pontius Pilate, where Pontius Pilate is standing on the steps, uh, essentially sending Jesus to his death. Yeah. And while in the crowd, he approaches Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I've been sent from the future to kill you. And Jesus tells him, you may not kill me, however, I will grant you my blood. And he gives this man tubes of his own blood. Jesus got tubes? Yeah. Damn. So, the guy travels back back to normal time with the Jesus blood, okay? And it's the most delicious red wine. No, 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 no. So he has the Jesus blood. What do you think happens next? Uh, He spills it, goes in the sewer in New York. They don't think anything of it, okay? They think nothing of it. They just, whatever. They think nothing of the vials of Jesus' blood? Now. At his trial? When they go back to Mars. (laughs) Why would they do in the first place? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They go back to Mars, and they see that Jesus is on Mars. So they go up to approach him. I knew it. And Jesus is none other than Duncan Cameron. <laughs> Holy shit. I shit you not. This oh. is what he said. This is what Preston Nichols said, okay? My socks are across the room. You've blown them off. I, I don't know how to. <laughs> Now he's a time traveler, but he's also Jesus and on Mars. He's Duncan. Duncan's his name. Jesus's name is Duncan. <laughs> yeah. No, Mars Jesus is Duncan Cameron. Mars Jesus is Duncan Cameron. Oh wow. wow. Okay. Oh. So I love this. All of this might sound absolutely insane, right? I really hope it's true. I want to tell you that I, I want you to think back on everything that was said. In this story, okay? It sounds a little bit insane. But this last piece of information to me is the key to the entire puzzle. And that is, in the year of 1973, that is when the Montauk military base began running these experiments. They or- The military ordered extreme amounts of extra equipment to be shipped to Montauk. This is confirmed. We know that that is true. Okay. 1973 was also the year that Project MKUltra was officially shut down. To me... Interest that... This is where it all connects. Everything becomes one here. If you are unfamiliar with Project MKUltra, it was a project in the 60s that... The main goal was they would feed people drugs, mostly LSD, hallucinogen, psilocybin, things of that nature, and they would force-feed people extreme amounts of drugs in order to get them confused enough to where they could essentially manipulate their minds. They would be able to drug you at such a high rate that you would have no control over your subconscious, and an outside force could enter your mind and tell you what to do and run your life. They just remolded people. Um, whether you believe it or not, I hate to tell you that that is 100% true. It is. How that, do you think acid got into the, the streets? It's true. That is a legitimate pr- uh, project that was operated by the government. It did not last very long, uh, as you could probably infer why, just based on what it is. Yeah. Um, but in... In its initial ending in the year of 1973, that was when the books were officially closed on Project MKUltra. And it just so happened that in upstate New York, they opened a new military base that was very hidden, very guarded, and very secure. 
where many individuals that were there claimed that the use of drugs and mind manipulation was at the forefront of the study. So it's just it's just the next chapter of MK Ultra. The book isn't closed, it's just the end of the chapter. Absolutely. This leads me to believe that the Montauk Project was the the PR-related version of MKUltra. Once this came out that this was a thing that was occurring and people were being force-fed drugs, it clearly doesn't look good, and for the sake of your own hide, you have to stop the project immediately. Yeah, rename it, relocate it. I believe that they renamed it, relocated it, as Jake said. Oh, well, yeah. And if you ask me personally, I would believe that Duncan Cameron and Preston Nichols were not employees of the Montauk Project. They were test subjects of the Montauk Project. It might be able to explain some of the more outlandish things that he claims and says. Uh, We have no official record of (laughs) Preston Nichols ever working in any sort of engineering field. And that was the other reality, though. Well, yeah, that's there you true. go. It was the other, and you know, I think he is Mars Jesus. No, that's Duncan Cameron. It's I the other, think it's he his is. Buddy. All right. Well, the, his buddy. What could he be in, in history? He's space. Genghis Khan. Yeah, maybe. that's fine. Let's, Those are two comparable. Genghis, yeah, there we go. I I don't typically like to endorse one conspiracy theory, but for this instance, I feel as if I need to. It seems the only the okay maybe there's three options here either what Preston Nichols says is true or true within a certain degree maybe not to you know the extent that he said uh, option number two would be that it was just a covert military base that was used to house weapons and test technology also a rational thought process I mean we know. That it was used during World War II and in the early stages of the Vietnam War as a sort of headquarters for planning and operations. So we know that this is true. Could that be its only intent? I, I don't know, man. I think probably from the MK Ultra thing, like, you're right. I think they relocated it. They fucking put a new name on it. And I think they upped the ante of insane things that they were doing. They just took on all the crazy projects that they had their fingers in in other locations. So it, anything that was said about them, it's like, all right, well, any anything that was said before, you just look ridiculous because they can't be doing this stuff. Yeah, you know, much. like they just up it for uh, for doubt's sake. The one little tidbit of information that gives credibility to Preston Nichols in. In in slight, I should say. He claims in the early stages of this electromagnetic field creation where they were trying to manipulate brainwaves, they were creating some type of energetic pulse. And this pulse drove the wildlife surrounding Montauk insane to the point where deer and other animals were jumping through windows in town ravaging storefronts, just completely going nuts. You can't fuck with the inner ear of the wild. The only reason that that is slightly confirmed is that there were uh, newspaper articles that claimed uh, strange wildlife activity, not necessarily to that degree, like antagonizing people. Yeah, there were stranger things. Yeah, there were some odd occurrences in the wildlife around the time that he says... They were doing these things and claims that it happened. Yeah. However, if you also take into account Stuart Swordlow's accounts, he was but a child that they took and kidnapped and utilized. Pump full of a bunch of drugs. He is not the only one. There's countless other individuals that claim to be part of the Montauk Boys, as they say. Uh, and they typically targeted uh, low-income housing, uh In most cases, they looked for someone with absent parents, uh, potentially sex-working mothers, things of that nature. People that theoretically wouldn't be missed, would have no one to miss them. Or, yeah, like if a hooker is going to go up to the cops in 1975, they're probably just going to ignore her, you know? That's just what it is. Oh, it wasn't around back then. But 
I I'm harping on this a little bit too much, but I can't get it out of my head. To me, the one connective thing that every account has is that some really weird shit went down at Montauk Base. But what would allow weird shit to go down would be crazy amounts of drug experimentation, just like the government was doing years before the base opened. Give me your thoughts. So you're thinking like the Montauk, or like any of the crazier things that could come from the Montauk, like stories or from the Montauk boys, like their stories and all that, may have just been the result of a continuation of MKUltra? I believe so. Okay. So you think these were like more lucid bad trips? Yeah, I definitely, I mean. Involving like the very people that were in it with them. I will say this. I I know you might I might catch some flack from heavy LSD users because they they will argue and claim I that I feel like if they're heavy LSD users they're not going to argue with you. Well, that's a fair point. <laughs> they're not going to argue but with anybody. I guess you'd say the LSD purist who will, you know, argue with people on the internet that's not what acid does to you. <laughs> it opens your you mind. Don't hallucinate. I'll kill you if you say it didn't make my life so much better. Yeah, it's like it's it, like, it alters your perception and blah blah blah. Well, you've never been force-fed hundreds of hits of acid at one time while you were kidnapped and while you were a child. So you cannot claim that these are not real things that they've experienced while on drugs. It's true. Because who knows what type, how much and what type of drug they were given. I mean, the point was to try to control their mind. I don't think they're giving you one hit of acid. Yeah. They're probably giving you at least 20, yeah. you know? So stop making waves and just go take some more LSD. Yeah, just enjoy it. Don't abuse it. But I think, I mean, personally, it's hard, even as a conspiracy guy, it's hard to back up Preston Nichols' claims in almost any way, shape, or form. I mean, he's talking about manifesting objects out of your brain and using that power to travel back in time with little to no change in the current world, and it just creates divergent realities where you live other lives. You couldn't I mean, handle the heat. I like couldn't handle it. I like getting weird when it comes to thoughts, <laughs> but that's just a little fucking batshit to like, me. I feel like I'm playing God. Better make this monster, and in the meantime, Destroy erase everything. everything just from computers. Um, uh, I will say it's a little muddy. The story is quite muddy. I, the reason I picked him is because, I mean, there's there's thousands of articles and claims and stories and forum posts about Montauk and oh, what went on there. there. And I focused on him mostly because he was the the original to tell the story, to come out with this weird little thing in New York. Yeah. And it's it's also the most complete. It kind of covers the inception and the end and everything that happened that, in the middle. That kind of does make me like individually like particularly like suspect about it though you know because we we like things to have bows on them we like it to be neat and packaged to have an end but in reality like shit like this is probably still going on oh absolutely like like you said uh columbine and all that and all these terrible things we're getting shootings every fucking week in america now for seemingly no reason they're just like oh he 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 just had it it's like what does that mean like there what? was that span, <laughs> like, what was that, maybe two years ago, like 2019, where it... The guy in Vegas? Yeah, he was like the start of that Dude, train. It was like... He was like, he was planning to do that over in like in his hotel over uh, overlooking Lollapalooza, but he, yeah. something went wrong with his reservation, so uh, he went to fucking, uh, what was it, Vegas? Yeah. Insane, dude. It's funny because the hotel that he was supposed to stay in... We've all pooped in that hotel bathroom. We have. It's the nicest bathroom Everyone downtown to poop in if you're a student at Columbia. <laughs> we, <It's>, <laughs> that oh. was my go-to place. <laughs> it was like the nicest bathroom I've ever... It was so nice. It's so nice. It's so... But uh, yeah, that could have no been a gun. graveyard instead of just a nice toilet. Dude. But... Oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, just large amounts of weaponry oh. for seemingly no reason. You think this this kind of thing is stopped? I don't think that there's there has been an end to these oh, kinds no, no, of no. things. I just remember so the fact that his story has an end makes me more uh, suspicious of it than ever. That year specifically, I just remember there being 
some type of mass shooting. It was almost weekly, like on the news. It it still is. <laughs> they just stopped showing them on the news. You just gotta like. You just gotta not, look for. Yeah, them. just just type in shooting America if you're not in America. They're if everywhere. You type in shooting here. It's just front page. Well, yeah. What is it like? Chicago. They. It's like we're the murder capital here in Chicago. Roughly like a hundred deaths per weekend of just from guns. Oh, and forget about the summer. Not like death. Like yeah, Fourth of July. Oh, oh. Watch. Don't go to Chicago on the Fourth of July. Yeah, but You'll I feel die. like we're, we're deteriorating into just like the the overall problem of gun control. But that's true. Uh, but still, like people that are like uh, that that uh, feel the need to do these things. Who knows if they had any like involvement in some of these government tests, where they were some sort of sleeper cell situation going on. Yeah, you know. So well, yeah, I don't I don't like this that it has an ending because I don't think it's over. Yeah, I mean I can honestly tell you that Preston Nichols' story is a little too good to be true. When it comes, this it's the mother load. I mean, it's got everything you want. It's 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 a little too good. Now that isn't to say that there can't be small truths uh, in his big lie. Oh, of you course know. not. Uh, there's that's not even saying it's false. Perhaps it is true, and we're all just naive. I don't know. But if you ask me, the Project Montauk or the Montauk Project, I prefer the Montauk Project. Yeah. Um, that, to me, it, it was a continuation of drug experimentation and MKUltra. Uh, the dates line up just magnificently. I mean, literally, the year it's that... It's too good. The year that the project is shut down is the same year that the base opens and is used... And it lasts roughly the same amount of time that Project MK Ultra did. It didn't last super long. It's it's like if your neighbor just like disappeared, and then the vacant house on the lot next door just like was bought, and now it's like a guy that looks like your old neighbor with a mustache. Kind of, yeah. You know, it's like oh, you don't think anyone's going to notice this? <laughs> like we know it's you. But yes, so that is effectively the Montauk Project. Trust nobody. Now you maybe understand. take drugs in small doses. As you can see, this uh, it has its relations to uh, Stranger Things in many ways. The claims of children test subjects, yeah. uh, tel- telepathic powers, uh, government cover-ups, uh, b- portals to other realities and dimensions. It's all there. It's yeah. all there. It takes some, yeah. D&D level imagination, just like in Stranger Things. Exactly. That is the episode, everyone. It is. We, we are, are uh, not starting. Wait, we are, though. We are Fuck. starting a <laughs> cult. That we is are. us. We are. That's Grant. It's true. It's and me. I'm Jake. Mm-hmm. Mitch walked in after I was done talking about the Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, he's just sitting here. But he's just sitting now. here patiently. He's very. He's just looking at me. It's good. It feels really hot in here for some reason. I don't know why. I'm like sweating. I look. I have a long sleeve shirt on. It was not a good choice. Mitch is showing a lot of chest hair today. I think oh, that might gross. be it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, oh. So with that being but, said, uh, we freaking... will be back next week with we a whole new episode. We'll also be back on Tuesday of this week with our Patreon episode. We're tis, back. Tis we're true. freaking back. 100th episode. That was good. It's in the past now. Now we're looking forward to 200. Right. Yeah, that's true. We're looking up. We're Three, looking well, up. 300. We got to get to 200 first. We are looking up. Can't go to World War Six from two, you know? But um, Make sure you worship Gomex. Yeah, Gomex is out there. Uh, we're going to try to find that ghoul on. But also follow us on all the shit. Uh, we got Patreon. You can listen to all our stuff. Uh, if you donate there, we got some perks and T-shirts, like I mentioned earlier. But also, uh, you got to find the Gulat. So uh, follow us on all the shit. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, I think Granny's still like posting stuff on Reddit and shit. On occasion, yeah. on occasion, I use Reddit. Yeah, and all our episodes are on YouTube too. Yeah. So uh, we love you. We are starting a cult. I'm Jake. That's Grant. Mitch was here. I'm drinking tea. We love you. Bananas. 
Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.